Hello everyone, we are back to talk a little more about Rings of Power. I'm going to be covering three likes, three dislikes, and just some other things that I'm looking forward to or hope to see, and just more about some complaints that people are saying about the series. So like most people, I like to start off with any bad news first. So three dislikes. There's two parts uh, where things just kind of distracting of like, wait, what's going on here? Um, and the one is, I believe it was episode two, where after Galadriel climbs up onto the raft with Halbrand, and they're kind of getting an argument, and they're sailing, floating along, whatever you want to say. Galadriel starts pulling on this rope, and... I guess steering the raft? We're not really sure what she's doing, but she keeps going back to this and as if it's doing something. Um, while I grew up on the water and basically spent chunks of every year out on a boat, different kinds of boats, I am no subject matter expert, but I just, I could not see how that was helping or doing anything. If you are looking to steer the raft, there's far more easier ways to make that happen without doing whatever she was doing and I don't know what else it could be because there was no sail or anything for her to be controlling so that was a little weird and then the second one was in this most recent episode episode 5 where the Harfoots are about to be attacked by these wild wolves and Nori runs over to this tree they're all kind of hiding up in this giant crazy shaped tree she starts pulling on a branch I was like, oh, okay, she's going to, like, pull the branch back, and as the wolf closes in, she's going to, like, let it go, and it's going to spring forward and smack it in the face or something like that. And that wasn't at all what happened, so she's just, like, sitting there grabbing on this branch, shaking it, tugging it, and maybe I'm just dumb, but I was, like, after nothing, she did nothing with it, I was, like, I was kind of confused on what the whole point of that happening was. But who knows, maybe it's something that just went right over my head. The second one is them taking out Anarian, uh, Asildor's brother, Elendil's other son. And Anarian helped, you know, the founding of Gondor and Arnor. And, you know, it's only kind of named after him, more or less. And then he had a son, Maneldil, who was the third king of Gondor, and was actually the last human being who was born in Numenor before it fell. And there's just some cool characters and some stories there, and, you know, he's kind of a big deal, being Isildur's brother and Elendil's son. But they completely omitted him from the series, and instead they gave Isildur a sister, who is a made-up character just for the series, and I'm not quite sure what part she has to play in this but I feel like if you're going to take you know someone that big of a name out and replace him with somebody then that person you're replacing them with should probably fill that role at least um, but she's obviously not a warrior she's not going to travel to Middle Earth and help the founding of Gondor and all that based on what we've seen so far so it's kind of disappointing that they took out Anarian and uh, replaced him only with someone who's not really gonna do anything with that kind of empty spot the third one is the Numenorian 
warriors kind of being just weak and dumb and easily bested when in actuality Numenorians were like they were blessed by God like by the gods like they were basically all Aragorns running around they were all you know they were a bigger build you know they were pretty much everyone was over six foot tall they were all incredible warriors whether they had a sword in their hand or a bow it was they were not someone you would ever want to fight they were incredibly smart they had the extended lifetime and were just all around incredible warriors and that's part of why Sauron in the book um, gave up trying to fight them in open combat because even he knew that's not going to happen like you can't take over or take down Numenor in open combat it's physically impossible you're not going to do it so if it falls it has to fall from the inside and that's why he you know basically took on that role and was very successful in it which leads to kind of like a bonus reason, a bonus dislike, you could say, too. I'll get to you in a second. But yeah, so I feel like these warriors of Numenor and these knights that you see running around should be a lot more like intimidating and burly looking and just like someone you would not want to mess with just by looking at them type people instead of like these guys that are just getting tossed around like they're nothing. And the, the bonus reason being that we have not seen, that we know of, Sauron yet, um, or at least as Anatar, or anyway, maybe Adar is Sauron. Um, at first one, the first time I watched it through, I thought they were chanting Anatar and I was about to lose my mind in excitement, but then I turned on the subtitles and it was like, oh, Adar. I was like, okay, but maybe, you know, it could still very much so be him. And that could just be like a, a name that the orcs kind of came up for, for him or that band because he spends more time with them or like there's a hundred different ways they can take it and that still very much be Sauron slash Anantar um, and where they can still play him into everything else although they kind of have him distracted with the sword hilt right now and not focused on the downfall of Numenor even though Muriel's getting these visions and all the things of the downfall so I'm not quite sure where they're going with the downfall of Numenor and what's going to cause it if it's just them going to be making a bunch of dumb decisions over and over again because it doesn't seem like they're going to have Sauron come over and try to manipulate and corrupt Farzan and Muriel uh, like he does in the books um, but who knows they they obviously have plenty of more time to go and work that in and it still kind of actually makes sense but I'm just super impatient and I want to watch it all right now in one giant five season binge worthy weekend but anyway on to some stuff I like one I think Galadriel is doing an amazing job aside from her being kind of my new celebrity crush uh, she does she is playing the part super well you can definitely see similarities between her and the older Galadriel we see in uh, well the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series so they they did cast that pretty well too and I just think even though we're filling in some open timelines here that the book does not cover with random little things that she's playing the part extremely well and they are doing a good job with her her character two the locations are amazing everything from seeing the island of Numenor 
in just its expansive and vast and elaborate architecture and everything that was there down to even just like the Harfoots and them and their nomadic little villages that, that they pack up and move again and you know they're slowly probably making their way out towards the Shire and Hoppetid and those areas to finally settle and just everything of where we're at looks impeccable and so well done. And while they are kind of moving away from the lore in some areas, they are actually sticking to it in other areas. Like one of the complaints I heard was about Galadriel and being this fighter and doing all these stunts and all these different things. It's like, well, if you look at her history, she was a warrior. Like she legitimately fought in battles and she wiped out like entire locations and she did a lot of fighting uh, through her time. So her, seeing her in like a suit of armor and wield a sword is not something that I find weird or outside the lore or anything like that. I find it quite fitting. And that her with her power and strength and ability that she would be able to face down a snow troll and be probably just fine. And if you're going to complain about her running up a sword to do it, then I hope you also complained about things like Legolas running up falling rocks in The Hobbit or surfing a shield down the Helm's Deep stairs, or some of these other little things that got added to the movies that never happened. Legolas running across the top of the orc heads, so usually always Legolas doing these crazy random things. But whatever it is, and if you're mad she took down a troll, then were you mad when Legolas killed the Mumakil? Or you're like, oh, that's not in the book, but that's still freaking cool and badass. And now all the sudden those aren't okay because people are just looking for any possible reason to complain and hate on the show which usually is them desperately grasping at straws and kind of overreacting to things that really aren't that outside of the realm of possibility there's a bunch of things I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to finally seeing Sauron again or Anatar how Adar that's who it is however they introduce him I'm just ready to see him again in, in action and I'm so excited I'm excited to see a Lendil come into power as he's already worked his way up you know one more rank since the start and it's making even more of a name for himself and he's got such an awesome like command presence and he's filling that role so perfectly and again awesome like awesome casting job the eye looks so, I mean, he's a bit younger than what we see him in the Fellowship, but you know, I can very you. There's such a similarity there that it's it was just so well done. And I'm so excited to see him kind of take over for one once and for all. Get rid of Farzan because nothing good comes of that guy in the show or movie or show or book. So I'm ready for him to go away. It's gonna be. Super sad to see the fall of Numenor because it's just, you know, those are my people. I love anything Numenorian related, but it's going to be so cool to see the founding of Arnor and Gondor and how, you know, that comes to pass and where they're going to settle first because Osgiliath was the first capital, so maybe we'll start seeing like some locations that we're super familiar with start being built up and coming to life, and that'll be really cool. 
and then also the founding of Rivendell. As we see in this last episode, you know, there's this kind of feud now between Elrond and Gilgalad. And I, my guess is Elrond's going to be kind of banished by Gilgalad, and he's going to send him off, and Gil or Elrond's going to go, and that's when he's going to kind of uh, start the founding of Rivendell in the Misty Mountains as his own little safe haven. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it, or if that's how it's going to work, but that's my guess. And then, of course, just the Rings of Power in general. It's going to be awesome to see when this forge and everything's done and for Celebrimbor to start his work. And maybe Sauron, your Anatar, should make an appearance at that point. Who knows? But again, it's just going to be cool to see these rings made. And I've seen a couple people say that the, the series is not action-packed enough and it's just moving slowly and... There's just not enough happening and going on or excitement. And what people are forgetting or just never knew in the first place is that this is a five season show. And they have, they're covering a certain timeline and they have to spread it out through those five seasons. So the producers and the director, everyone, they're all playing the long game of these big, epic buildups. And, you know, dragging things out, building up suspense, building up tension and kind of slowly working things in for some for a big giant reveal or battle or whatever it is I have planned in the following you know episode and it's just there it's not supposed to be this quick fast-paced dive in right in the action thing is because it's not how it's not even how it is in the books it's not how it is anywhere it's you know a drawn-out process and I fully trust them to know what they're doing and I think the pace has actually been perfect for the amount of time we have left and for the events that they're trying to cover because we obviously were, we have a bunch of different things going on at once. But following the Harfoots and the Dwarves and the Elves and their relationship kind of going up and down in waves. And then we have Bronwyn and her son Theo. And, you know, he's got the hilt and the Orcs are chasing him and hunting him now. Adar is about to have this big attack and like there's a bunch of different kind of storylines we're following which is similar to Lord of the Rings where you have Frodo and Sam over here and then Merry and Pippin over here and then Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli over here and so on and you kind of bounce around between them and I think the pacing is perfect for the, again the amount of time we have left and everything that's being covered right now and them building up to such big because it's like it's literally the creation of the rings of power it wouldn't be that exciting or intense if it was like here here's season one episode one here's them making the rings like yay it wouldn't have anywhere remotely close to the same effect of them building up to it across you know the the whole season and that's why they get paid the big bucks and we don't because they're better at planning out these stories and writing them than we are Another complaint I heard a bunch of times was the wargs. Now, there's two main ones here. Um, one was just the CGI, which I believe it was episode four. If I remember right, when Arondir is kind of already prisoner and he's about to meet Adar. And we see the warg kind of in its cage. There are like little bits 
in spurts where the special effects were like, eh, I can tell that that was, you know, quickly done on a Friday afternoon by somebody. But overall, I think the wargs look amazing, especially compared to The Hobbit. Like, let's be honest, The Hobbit had terrible CGI, regardless of the way you look at it. Compared to when you, especially when you compare it to The Lord of the Rings, like, The Lord of the Rings, like, that was legitimately scary. If you're like a five-year-old or something sitting there watching it, those goblins and orcs and stuff were terrifying. You know, like, I feel like one of these is going to come running out of the screen at me, where in The Hobbit, it was almost like an animated film, because it was just so... Just everything was special effects and CGI, so... Nothing looked or felt real. Nothing was ever scary, or the orcs weren't even intimidating, because they didn't look real. Or it's like, in the Lord of the Rings series, you could feel like with both the orcs and the wargs, like, I could feel like, just by looking at the warg on screen, if I were to pet it, I could put together in my mind the rough, gritty, dirty, like, texture of its hot fur, and kind of think about what exactly it would feel like, or what it would be like to touch one of those orcs if you had to, like, push him off you. And the Hobbit, there was just none of that, because nothing looked even felt real because it was just so there was no like it wasn't makeup it was all done on the computer and it felt like that with the orcs and the wargs and everything we're here with the rings of power we're back to the lord of the rings level of detail and obviously the cgi has a little ways to go still but that's again both with the lord of the rings and now but like when that warg first came running out when they released it on the prisoners like I felt like, one, it was terrifying because it looked very real. Like, if there, I wasn't looking at it through a TV, it looked like it was really sitting there in front of me. And again, like, I felt like if I were able to reach the TV and pet it on its dirty little dry nose, like, I could feel the textures and everything of what it would be like to pet that thing. Not that I ever would, but what it would be like. Because it looked and felt real. Because it's not all done. I mean, obviously that's not a real wolf that looks like that running around. But they just took the time to do it. And it looks good. And then same with the orcs. Like, the orcs are back to being pretty terrifying. Especially, like, um, in the episode one where you see them just sitting around, like, eating something. And the one orc turns around and you just only see the glow of its eyes and... And then when Theo and Bronwyn are fighting it in the house, and you just see this kind of like the silhouette. Like, or the orcs are back to being scary again, finally. Because they just look good, and it's not all done on the computers. It's done with makeup artists and costume designers and everything that is actually creating these, like, beasts, so to speak. And then putting them, and then just filming them, instead of... Hey, just run around with these sensors on you, and then we're going to put in everything else on the computer. I think they're doing such a good job with the wargs and the orcs making things scary and creepy and realistic again. And I thought making the orc, in, when they got into the fight, in the little hovel, you know, have that super strength where it was like with one hand flipping a table and throwing stuff around, like... 
that's how I picture them being, because, I mean, elves are obviously incredibly strong. We see it time and time again that they're obviously a lot stronger than humans. And orcs, having come from elves, would probably have some pretty darn good strength. More than, again, I would say probably a human, generally speaking. So watching one lose its mind and go crazy and attack Theo and Bronwyn and just start launching furniture around and throwing stuff, like, that was also, aside from be making them more terrifying, I thought was also realistic and made it more um, real of how people who aren't, you know, knights and warriors and all this stuff would react in a similar situation where neither of them are trained on how to fight and with any weapon and it's just one single orc but to just regular peasants or townsfolk or whoever one orc would be terrifying and deadly to fight and that's basically what they made it look like and I thought that was a good job too the other complaint was that that just that the wargs look different which is weird because to complain about that, you're implying that every warg from every area, regardless of where they're at, has to look the exact same. Which I would guess that these are also the people complaining about people of color in the series because they don't look the same. Hmm. Anyway, without trying to get that deep into the psychology of it, I find it weird that people are mad that all the wargs don't look the exact same. And again, that no matter where they're from in the world, they all need to have the same look that they did in the Two Towers, primarily. I mean, we see them in Return of the King too, but they're mainly in the Two Towers. And then, again, in The Hobbit, let's just be honest, they look terrible. And weren't at all intimidating or scary looking, because they almost looked cartoonish. So, I think it's awesome that we're seeing different wargs, because like the wargs that we see from Isengard look, you know, the certain way. And now we're seeing wargs from the Southlands, or we're seeing wargs from way up in Beleriand, so why would they all look the same? To see all these different species of wargs is actually kind of cool, and not to say they're all perfectly done, like just from an anatomical perspective, the wargs that attacked the Harfoots had those giant teeth that kind of came up and out of their top jaw which wouldn't serve any kind of purpose. So that was weird, but other than that, like they look cool and they're scary, and I think it's awesome that we're seeing different species of wargs, just like, you know, they're wolves. There are different species of wolves, so I think it's awesome that they're changing it up here and there, depending on where they're at in the world. And then we also hear Gladriel talk about or I think it was Galadriel, maybe it was Bronwyn, one of them mentioned, you know, all the people from here to Orodruin. And for those that caught it, Orodruin is the actual name for Mount Doom. So I think it would also be cool to see Mordor and Mount Doom and all these places before they become, you know, the evil, wretched area that's when it's taken over by Sauron. And I'm assuming these other Southlanders and those guys that pledge their lives to Adar will probably end up being slaves to be honest because basically the southern half of Mordor 
was where they kept like all of their slaves, which was just the people from the Southlands and surrounding areas that they enslaved to, you know, help either make food or make weapons, whatever it was, tend to the little bit of fields that they were able to have down there. And I'm assuming these people are going to end up being those people and just becoming slaves and I'm sure they'll fight too, but that's my prediction for them. But overall, minus the little things here and there that are kind of like, eh, that could be better, or I wish they would do this, I'm still giving the show a good rating, giving it like an 8 out of 10 right now. I feel like that can go up or down a lot within the next one or two episodes when we get more of a feel for where things are going to be heading in season one. But overall, I definitely think it's an awesome show. I'm loving it. The nostalgia is crazy. I feel like a little kid again sitting there watching the main movies in the movie theater and just seeing the Lord of the Rings come on my screen again or something I haven't seen before is just such an awesome feeling. And it's sad that other people can't share in that and just enjoy it for what it is, but hey, that doesn't affect me at all. Until, of course, like the one gentleman started accusing me in the group of being extremely toxic for calling people out on their hate and why they, why someone would say hate this, hate a TV series so much of any series, but yet keep coming back to watch it more and more every episode. I don't know how that's toxic. I'm still trying to connect those dots. I think it's quite logical to watch a show, get a couple episodes in, and be like, you know what, I really don't like this, so you, then you stop watching it, and then you don't follow it on Facebook, and you just kind of distance yourself from it, because you don't like it. I find it very odd to just be like, I don't like it, I hate it, it's garbage, but I'm going to keep watching it and tuning in every week for every episode. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. But apparently, that makes me toxic. But hey, this is the world we currently live in, where nothing has to make sense. It's just funny how, like, people can be like, oh, you know, I don't like the show, and then just kind of walk away from it and leave it at that. And saying, hey, if you don't like it, you should just walk away from it and leave it at that. But you get called toxic. But not the people who are like, it's not good enough for me to just not like the show and leave it. There's, like, this necessity for them to tell everyone and have everybody know that they don't like it. They have to make sure everybody knows that they don't like it and continue to say it again and again over top of everyone else's opinion with this like superiority complex mindset and that's not toxic but but whatever sorry i love diving into the psychology things i like finding out why what people think and why they think that and then connecting the two and seeing where the thoughts come from and then how they handle the thoughts that they get I'm not a psychologist, but I just love psychology, breaking it down, and you learn so much about people when you look at things from a psychological standpoint. Because like I said earlier, it's not a normal thought process to go, hey, this show is garbage, I hate it, I don't understand why you all watch it, but then continue tuning in each week to make sure you watch each episode. Like that's not something people normally do, that's not a normal behavior. So there's something else driving that behavior 
that's causing them to do this. And that's what I like trying to break down and figure out. It's going to shift a little bit depending on the person. But there's obviously something that is happening to cause that behavior. But I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. Or even half as much as I am. And excited to see where it goes. I'll keep putting out a new episode up to cover some things. Uh, every two or three episodes of the show uh, kind of give it an updated score. So right now I'm at an 8 out of 10. And then talk more about the things I like and don't like that we've seen since the last one. So that is where I'm at right now with the Rings of Power. Hope you guys enjoy it. And I will see you guys next time.